Mighty God, we bless you in this house. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you for being in Wednesday night Bible study. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. And I tell you, I, of course, they're not all in here. I need to wait until all of our media people are in here. And Boy, if, if you've looked at the pictures and different things from the weekend, just tremendous job that they're doing. And they really captured some great moments um, uh, in the services. And uh, just, um, you know, you could just see and feel what was going on. And I, I know a lot of people, I know, man, quickly about seven, 800 people saw that picture of the, whoever that was dancing back there in the back and shouting and going on. And, and man, it just uh, is so encouraging and that people can see, man, something's happening in that place, you know. And uh, maybe it'll encourage somebody to say, maybe I'll start praying and seeking some of this stuff. They sure do talk a lot about it. Never know what'll push somebody to start digging in the Word of God and praying and seeking the Lord. And um, I was telling somebody earlier, you know, don't ever let anybody shame you into not being who God's called you to be. You know, especially our younger people. I know they're not in here, but you know, it's amazing to me that these young people in the world they 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 go out to these clubs or even man even now they're proms or homecoming dances and things like that and just do the most ungodly dancing and you know and to the most ungodly music and just do all that and and think that it's funny that our kids don't participate in that but then they see our kids dancing and shouting in church and they think we're a bunch of nuts <laughs> what a, well you know I don't get it you know I just have to quit right now. I'm gonna, I'll be so far away from this message. I, I won't even know where. We'll get back to that one day. It won't be long. We're gonna get back on some of that stuff. But tonight we're gonna pick up because we have with uh, our resurrection Sunday and then anniversary services. We uh, fell behind in our discipleship class that we usually do on Sunday mornings. So we're gonna catch up tonight on at least one of these lessons and. Um, it's a good one, I feel like, to just be great for us. Uh, we were talking about, if you can remember back a couple of weeks, about when Jesus prayed, not just um, the prayer he prayed, uh, how he prayed, but when he prayed and what times in his life did he give us examples that we should pray because Jesus was a man and he was tempted in all points as we were, so he prayed. Uh, you think, well, he's God manifest in the flesh. He didn't have to pray, but he did pray. There's a lot of things he didn't have to do, but he did because he was here in the flesh. And so tonight we're going to talk about when Jesus prayed in personal trial. And the thought for us is that when we go through a trial, a personal trial of our faith, we must pray so that we can gain God's perspective. If we don't see what God sees and understand of what God's Word says about trials and tests and trials of our faith, uh, we're going to be very uh, apt to act out on our own. We may not always see why we're going through this, but we need to know that there is a why, and we need to understand what the Scripture says about trials. And one of the best ways to accomplish that is through prayer. So tonight, hold on to your seats. We're going to talk about praying when you're in the middle of your trial because there's a lot of other things we'd probably rather be doing in our trial. Right. Slapping people, <laughs> ugly post, quitting, walking away, giving up. But when we have that perspective that Jesus had and when we have him for our example, then we realize that in, even in our most personal of trials, you know, sometimes a trial, it just, you know, it's, it's something you're going through, but it just, but sometimes it feels like a personal attack. It's just, man, it's just me. Something's, somebody's trying to kill me. And we need to know how to get through those times. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, you don't have to stand for this. We're going to just jump right in here. I'm going to read from a part of the life of the Lord. Matthew 26 and 36, 
36 through 44 is where we'll read. This is um, after the Lord has had Passover with his disciples, and he's heading out to Gethsemane to pray. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here, watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, finds them asleep, and says unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I like how it kind of singles Peter out. I took you with me for a reason. A little while earlier, I gave you the keys to the kingdom. And you couldn't watch with me one hour. I'll just interject real quick right here. It doesn't matter what Jesus has planned for us. It doesn't matter what he's given us. We are not exempt from doing what he asks us to do. We can't just say, well, I'm the man with the keys. I'm in charge. I'll take a nap. You know, Peter had no idea what was coming his way as far as Pentecost was concerned yet. He didn't know what God had planned for him. Jesus knew what was coming. But anything like that, any anointing, any blessing, any calling we have, that does not negate us from praying. And it doesn't uh, give us the right to not do what Jesus asked us to do. So, I'm, as a matter of fact, maybe he's a little surprised. I figured you, now that you've had revelation from the Father and you've got the keys to the kingdom, you would just be ready to pray and see what's going to unfold. But sometimes... Uh, we get something and we get like that man that said, well, now I've got all these two barns full of stuff. I'm just going to take my ease. So he said, watch and pray for a reason, that you enter not into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And so on this night, Jesus had been um, with his disciples, the Passover. And we know that he has given them the bread, given them the wine. He has washed their feet. He has talked with them. But he also told them, one of you is going to betray me, which caused everybody in the room to start looking around and asking, is it me, is it me, is it me, is it me, Lord? And then trying to figure out who is going to betray the Lord. And Jesus said, the one who sops in the dish with me, that's the one that's going to do it. And Judas takes a sop in the dish and he says, is it me, Lord? And he said, you said it, you got it. Now, because Jesus is flesh and blood and he is a man, I want you to think what the scripture says about him from Isaiah. He is a man who was despised and rejected. Now, he had spent three, three and a half years with these men, even Judas. He had eaten with him, shown him miracles. Out of those two by two, Judas is part of that. Judas has watched miracles. He has heard teaching. He has been a part of the blessings of the Lord for those three or three and a half years. And now for the price, 30 pieces of silver, which was the, uh, the price of just a common slave at that time, he sold Jesus out. The ultimate rejection. He just sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine? Because you think, well, Jesus knows what's coming, so he doesn't really care. He's he just trying to get to the end. No, he felt everything we felt. And can you imagine how somebody you had invested in turned around and said, I just sold you. I'm going to sell you for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew what he was going to do. And so he went and he, of course, Jesus goes and he gets the, the silver, betrays him, tells him where he's going to pray, where he's going to be at. 
And we know that he actually comes up and, and gives the Lord a kiss to identify which one is the guy they should be taking. And so uh, Jesus felt rejected. He was in a very personal trial at this time, but he knew what was coming, and he decided instead, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to just fuss uh, Judas out. I'm not going to let him have it right here. I could use anger. I could do anything I want to do. I'm going to go and pray so that I can finish what I came here to do. Because if I get in my flesh, I can still act like any other man. Jesus had the option to do anything he wanted to do. He had free will. He was not a puppet. He was not a robot. He had to make the decisions to do the things he was supposed to do. And he knew that there was a call on his life. He knew that there was a plan. And he said, if I'm going to make this, I'm at I mean, I'm in the red zone, like we say in, you know, in football, when they get so close, it's now or never. And he knew I'm right here at the end where things are going to get tough. And if I'm going to make it, I'm going to have to pray. And what did he pray? Not my will, but thy will be done. And if this cup's not going to pass except I drink it, then thy will be done. I'm going to do that because I've got to have the right perspective. I've got to remind myself that I am more than just a man. I am the Lamb of God. I am the Savior of this world. And if I'm going to get to the end, I've got to pray. We've got to do the same things. Jesus, uh, like I said, he tells Peter, you need to watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. Whenever we are attacked, whenever we're in a trial of our faith, that we need to do the things that Jesus said to do and do like he did, we need to pray. Why? So I don't enter into temptation. I think people, uh, when they hear temptation, they, they think, well, I need to pray so I don't go drink or go smoke or go dope or go you know, whatever. It's not always that. He's saying, Peter, you don't need to react. In your, you need to pray so you don't react with your flesh. You know what Peter didn't do? He didn't pray. So you know what Peter does in a little while? He cut a man's ear off. That was his flesh. I'm, somebody's grabbing my Jesus. I'm about to. You know, you feel like that when somebody attacks your Jesus. You talk about my, punch you in the mouth. You don't, you don't talk about my belief. You don't talk about my truth. You don't talk about my Lord. You know, you, and, 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 and what do you do? Uh, Peter's so wrapped up in his flesh that he grabs a sword, cuts a man's ear off. And the Lord has to step in and fix that. And maybe he wants to look and say, hey, I told you to pray, boy, because <laughs> the Spirit is willing. Yes. I'm going to go with you to the end. I'm just going to walk right with you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm gonna, I'll die for you. Yeah. I know what you're going to do. You're going to pull a sword out and cut somebody's ear off. You're going to start hurting people because uh, in this temptation, this was a trial for all of them too. This is their master. This is the one they've been following. And now they're in a personal trial. Somebody's trying to take what we've been following. And so I'm going to stop it. But that's not the right thing to do. The Lord had already rebuked Peter for that because Peter had rebuked him. Oh, no, you ain't dying. This ain't happening. And he said, get behind me, Satan, because you are favoring or savoring the things that belong to man, not the things that belong to God. Some things have got to be done. If I don't go, who's going to go? Because there ain't nobody else. But Peter is so in his flesh, he can't remember that. He can't see that. He's just in a blind rage. I'm going to hurt somebody for touching who I love. And he smites his ear off. But the Bible tells us that we don't reward evil for evil, but that we overcome evil with good. And so... Uh, a lot of times what we've got to do, it's not I'm, when we're praying against temptation, it's not that I'm praying, uh, I'm not worried about ever drinking again. Believe me, that ain't happening. The things that I got, drinking and drugs and things like that, that, that ain't a problem for me. You know, the things I know now that I have to watch out is that I, I got to pray, God, don't let me lose my temper. Don't let me shoot off at the mouth. Don't let me, you know, I, I say sometimes jokingly, but I say, don't let me come out of retirement on somebody. You know, when I start feeling that mullet growing again, it's time to it's time to pray. I got to, I got to pray. I don't 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 let me get all redneck and crazy again. Let me just uh, 
Let me pray and get back into your graces. Let me get back where I need to be. And so prayer is so important to uh, not just, hey, Lord, you know, not just that. uh, Let me tell you what I need. Let me tell you what's going on here. It's, Lord, I need direction. I need strength because the Lord, he was praying for strength to get through this. I, I need strength to go on and to, and to move on. And, and I know that I don't, you know, that's why the scripture says they mocked him and did all these things and said he answered not a word. He didn't say anything. He, he, he let them do, accuse him. He didn't try to defend himself. He, he didn't try to, uh, you know, tell them, hey, you're wrong. He just, he went because he knew uh, I've got to get to the end. And when I get to the cross, the only thing he, you know, Father, forgive them. Well, they don't know what they're doing. He, he didn't curse them. He didn't call angels. He could have done all these things. There's so many options he had that he didn't take that would have been flesh-related. Because if he'd have called angels, it's only relieving the pain of his flesh. If he comes off the cross, it's just stopping the pain he's feeling in his flesh. But he had a purpose for being there, and he knew that. And so uh, we can kill our purpose in our trial because we don't realize this is just getting me to where I need to go. So I need to act right in the place that I'm at. So we need to pray because prayer uh, is not just communication. What does it do for us? It develops us in Christ. Paul's prayer was that I want Christ to be formed in you. Well, our savior was a praying man. He was a praying savior. And when we pray, it helps to develop Christ in us. It helps us to be Christ-like. It helps us to have the same answers that Jesus had. Uh, Jesus is our example. And so uh, prayer in certain situations, in, when you're going through things, it will help you to see things through the Spirit, through the eyes of the Lord. It will help you understand this is not just some kind of fleshly personal attack, but this is uh, a trial of my faith, and I've got to walk right even in my trial. I can't just decide, oh, I'm going to boycott the Lord right now because I'm in the middle of something. I'm going to always listen to what he said. And Jesus, in his most heart-wrenching, heartbreaking time of his life, he said, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And so, you know, we... <clears throat> We quote that scripture a lot, but don't let it lose the impact that it should have on you because it is so vital for us that we remember we've got to stay in the will of the Lord. So in the midst of trials, we have to seek to embrace God's will and his purpose for the trial, knowing that his purpose and plan is greater than what we may be able to see at that moment. We react to what we see. Right then, right there, right in the moment. But one of the most difficult things to do in a trial is to rise above our emotion and remember God's purpose for us. Unfortunately, in most cases, emotions are very, very powerful. They're good sometimes. It's good when it's love. (laughs) You know, uh, that's good. But when it's anger or it's hate or it's revenge or it's jealousy, you know, that's the time that we've got to be able to put things under submission and, and stay in the will of God, and we're going to do that when we learn how to pray. In the midst of every trial that we go through, we've got to remember this, that His purpose for us is more important than what is happening to us. God will keep you in the middle of what's happening to you because His purpose is more important than what's happening right now. Uh, Joseph, while he's just a child living at home, God gives him dreams. Kind of key him in a little bit. There's coming a day you're going to be standing up and ruling. Well, before that ever happens, he's betrayed, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, lied on, thrown in prison. All these things happened, and the only thing Joseph knows is I had a dream. I had a dream, and I lost my coat. That's what happened. And now I I hadn't done anything, but I've been lied on. I'm in this dungeon. I'm interpreting dreams for people. I'm helping people. 
God's blessing. I'm in this drunk, in this prison. I don't know why. But then the king calls for him. They bring him out, and he becomes second in command in Egypt. He saves Egypt. He saves his family. And when his brothers show up and he reveals himself, he says, the things that you meant for evil, God meant for good, and, and God has saved these people alive. I had to go through all I went through to get here. He doesn't know that when he's just a boy in that pit and his brothers have thrown him in it and he's, he can't get out and he's there. He doesn't know that. When, don't you know he got a little happy when he thought, oh, they're bringing me out only to turn him over. Oh, I knew y'all would come back and took him and sold him. And so uh, he can't see that, but it, he got all the way to the palace. He went from the pit to the palace and it was all in God's plan. And God let all that happen because he said, my purpose for you, Joseph, is greater than what's happening to you right now. So I will keep, I've got to have you. So I'm going to keep you wherever you are. It was the same way with Paul. Paul, you testify of me in Jerusalem. You're going to testify of me in Rome. Well, between Jerusalem and Rome, there's a big shipwreck. But Paul doesn't drown. Paul gets bit by a snake, but he don't die. Because, listen, Paul, I'm going to keep you. You can't see what's going on, but you know what Paul was? Paul was a praying man, and Paul uh, saw, and he realized, God's going to get me through. So we remember Romans 8 and 28 tells us, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, or the called, according to his purpose. Uh, now remember, this is what Paul is writing to the church. And he said, and we, the church, know something, or we should know something. If you are living for God, you've been born again, and you're serving God, there's some things that you ought to know. Anytime you see Paul or Peter or any of these guys in these epistles write this, and we know, you need to check yourself and say, do I know that? Look in your inventory and say, have I got that solid? Do I understand? We should know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I love God, and he's not going to destroy me or let me be destroyed, but it's going to work together for, uh, to the good of them who are the called, the church, those that he has called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Don't, don't get me on this again, but don't start quoting that scripture out to somebody who's never served the Lord. They ain't going to hear, oh, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in God, I don't serve God, but I'm having such a hard time. You go tell them, well, it's going to work together for your good. What in the world are you telling them? Anyway, so this is for us. This is for the church. And so remember, all things work together for our good. The straight and narrow is not always flat and smooth. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm on the straight and narrow. It's going to be like walking on a cloud. It's going to be uh, honeysuckles all the way up through there. There's going to be baby deer licking my kneecaps and stuff when I'm walking through the, up the road. Oh, yeah. I'm on the straight and narrow. Hey, you know what? It's hard to walk straight and narrow because every obstacle looks bigger on the straight. That's why you look over on that wide path, the broad way, and when you see rocks on there, well, it's, it's like they're just dodging them because it's wide and it's spread out. But when you're on the straight and narrow and there's a rock, hey, that thing's blocking my way. It's, or, you know, it's, it's easier to stump your toe. It's e easier to trip and fall uh, when, when you're on that straight and narrow. Even the Lord said that our steps, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And though he fall, in other words, I'm going to order your steps. I'm going to put you on a path. And I understand that you might trip and fall, but it'll be all right. Because whatever's happening to you is not as important as where I want you to go. You're going to get up and keep going and keep moving if you pray. If you're not praying, you don't see that. You say, God has forsaken me. God has left me. There ain't no business. I'm not going to church no more. I'm going to quit tithing. I'm going to quit praying. I'm going to quit reading. You know, you just, I'm going to quit all this gossip because all I'm doing is falling and falling and falling. But when you pray, you realize, and when you stay in touch with him, you realize, and when you know that there are some things that are going to happen that when you love God, all things 
work together for your good. The good things, the bad things, the easy things, the hard things, the heartbreaking things, the things that bring you joy, all of it works together for your good. And so uh, it is certain that everything we go through is working for our good, but when we stay in our flesh, like many other things, we can know it in our head, but not feel it in our heart or in our spirit. When, 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 if we're just in our flesh and we don't really get it and we don't understand, we're not seeing and understanding what God's doing, we, I know what I, what I read, but you don't feel it anymore because it's not, you hadn't put it there, you hadn't trusted in him, you hadn't walked with him. You got to realize I'm going to go through some things, but I got to pray. I remember uh, I've told this story, but the night I was baptized, the night I came to the Lord, I repented, man, I, I, God is all over me. I baptized. I'm so happy and excited to come out, and people are slapping me on the back, congratulate me, hugging my neck, welcome to the family. God bless you, brother. Man, God's good, just everything. And in the middle of all that, this one guy come up just as stern-faced as everything, looked me right now, and he said, Think it not strange, the fiery trial that is to try you. That's why he, no, no, hey, good going, congratulations. Nothing, just think it not strange, the fiery, but the Lord gave him that to tell me. Have no doubt. And uh, so I went and started studying about what happens when people are trying. What, what does a trial, I don't know what a trial means. Ain't what you put cement down with? I don't know what trial, a trial is. You know, so I'm studying trials and, and trying to work on it and everything and figure out what's going on. And I start writing. I've got notebooks full of pages I written, had written down things. And boy, the next few weeks, the enemy was on me. My flesh was fighting everything I was going through. And, and I would remember Mm -mm. I read about you. I know it says I'm going to be tried, but I'm going to get through it. And, and it's just a trial of my faith, and it's more precious than gold that perishes. So I'm not letting go. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. There's something else coming. And, and I don't know who he is yet, but I know there's a dude named Job said, whatever I'm done, when God's done with me, I'll be like gold. So I'm hanging in here. We do not always see the big picture that God sees. We're not going to see that. He knows how a particular trial will result in his purpose coming to pass in our lives. He knows these things. Uh, I think of the message Brother Arnold preached years ago about being disturbed into our destiny, how that, how that God will tear your life up to get you where he wants you to go. And, and he said, oh, God, will, yes, he will. God will let things fall apart in your life. He'll let you wind up in a fiery furnace, but he'll keep you in it. He'll let you end up in a den of lions, but he'll keep you in it. He'll let you wind up in a foreign land, but he'll keep you in it, and he'll use you in all them places, not just use you, but promote you in those places. But you don't see that. Can you imagine a person that doesn't pray getting dragged toward that den of lions? But the Bible said that Daniel just kept praying three times a day like he always did. I don't believe they even had to handcuff him on what they used back then, but... Uh, I believe he just said, hey, we're going to take you this down the line. Well, let's go. Ain't no sense in fighting you. I ain't going to die or whatever. I'm, I'm good. Oh, don't you know the next morning when they said, Daniel? And he said, oh, king, live forever. People jumped out of their skin. Oh, he is alive. And uh, that's what God will do. But you know why Daniel, he understood, look, I've been praying three times a day. And me and God, we know some things. He's told me some things. I know who I am to him, and I know who he is to me. And so prayer is a necessity during your trials. And so, again, so many actions you could take that you shouldn't, uh, it's always necessary to take time to pray. Instead of becoming frustrated, pray. Instead of lashing out, pray. Instead of giving away to depression or despondency, pray. The example that Jesus gave us proves that prayer is a necessity during times of trial. What do I do now? I imagine how David felt at Ziglag. They get back. They're already kind of ill because the Philistines won't even let them fight. So they get back to Ziklag, find the cities burned, all the children, the wives, possessions, everything is gone. People want to stone David because they're all upset. 
And instead, this time, instead of just taking off, because he's a man of war, instead of just saying, hey, let's go, he said, he called the priest, he said, where, where is the ephod at? Why? Because I'm going to go talk to God. And David went and inquired of the Lord, shall I go and pursue, and will I recover? And he said, yep, go pursue, you're going to recover it all. And so he, before he took a step, before he moved on his own, before he listened to all the angry voices that said, man, let's go tear this place up, he said, hold on, I want to talk to God first and make sure this is the path he wants us to go. And God said, yeah, this is it. And so uh, they went and they did. They recovered it all. And so we need to remember there's a lot of actions we could take, but if we want to go on the right path, inquire of the Lord first. Uh, so Jesus, being God manifest in the flesh, did not keep him from being tested and it didn't exempt him from the same types of trials that we all go through. He had to struggle with the same feelings and emotions that we do in such times. And on the night that Judas betrayed Jesus, he could have lashed out, could have just acted out in his flesh, but instead he prayed. I'm sure he had all kinds of thoughts going through his mind, but he prayed so we can bring those thoughts under subjection. That's what we need to do. We need to pray so we can get these. Because those thoughts, man, if they hang around long enough, they're going to manifest. And uh, those thoughts have got to get out. You've got to get, get rid of that. And so, you know, you think about what are some thoughts. You know, when something happens immediately, you, you know, don't, don't feel bad about it. You know what happens. You're angry. Somebody does something, man, says something, hurt. Man, it's a trial. Well, woo, in your mind, if people could see what just flashed through your mind, you're like, oh, you'd go to jail for a long time for that. There's a death penalty in a few states for what you just did in your brain. Or you're angry at yourself because I'm better than that. I should have done that. How did I let this happen? And, and you take it out on yourself. Those thoughts, you got to pray to get these things. Or you know, you're thinking, well, I'm just going to quit. People do it. I'm going to quit, and they do. I'm going to stop serving God, and they do. Hey, I, 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 you believe some of the things I've had during pastoring. Uh, I've had people call me and say, yo, well, my husband made me so mad, so I just went and did this. Why? It didn't change anything. <laughs> it, why, why are you going to take it out on, on God, you know, uh, because you and your husband's fighting a little bit? Well, why are you going to take it out on God? You know, it, it just, but it's that thought got in there and it just kept swirling around, swirling around. So finally, it went and did it. It didn't change anything, it didn't fix anything. So, knowing that Jesus had these same thoughts, these same feelings, it, it helps me because I watch what he did in the scripture. He's my example. What would Jesus do? Yeah. Ain't that the famous thing? What would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't cut people's ear off. He's, he's into putting it back on business, you know. So instead of responding to his flesh, Jesus responds to the spirit. And he goes to the garden and prays. Here he surrendered his human will to the will of the Father. He reestablished his purpose in prayer. And he said, not as I will, but as thy will. He was showing us there is indeed a greater purpose to our trial than, what we, than just what we are going through right now. It wasn't just about that moment. It was about what he had to accomplish. The power of intercessory prayer is invaluable during a time of trials. Now, there are intercessory prayers where people are praying for you, but sometimes you've got to touch that intercessory prayer for yourself. And so we know that there are different levels of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. And during a trial, there is great benefit into entering a season of intercessory prayer. In these times, we may be so overwhelmed with what is happening to us that we have really no idea what to say or how to pray. That's why another wonderful benefit of having the Holy Ghost living inside of us. The power of intercessory prayer is that during our hardest trials, the Spirit will pray through us to help us pray when we do not know how to pray. Romans 8 and 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, 
But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What a powerful promise and resource. Aren't you thankful that God gave us something to get us through? Hey, I'm going to tell you, if we didn't have the Holy Ghost, you're going to get knocked off in the first round. Just count on it, man. It ain't going to happen. We need the Holy Ghost. Uh, if we're going to make it a day living for God, we need the Holy Ghost to keep us from quitting. We need the Holy Ghost so that we can understand. It leads us in the truth. It helps us see that there's a bigger picture here for you. This trial of your faith, yeah, it's happening. It's terrible. It's awful. It's heartbreaking. You're going through pain. You feel like you're going to die right here, but you're not. You're going to keep moving because God has got a plan. So through the avenue of intercessory prayer, we can engage the Spirit in a dynamic way. So Paul is telling us that when we are simply at a loss for words, there is a place in prayer where the Spirit takes over. We ought to let that happen more than not. If we live in the Spirit, you know, we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to mortify the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit. That's going to keep you from road rage incidents and, and uh, you know, fist fights and cussing people out and all kinds of things. It's going to keep you from reacting in your flesh. It doesn't mean you won't, hey, anybody is apt to do it. They can hit, boy, somebody can hit that, that button at the right time before you knew it. It's, whew, it's out there. You've said it, you know, you've done, you've, you know, and, and that's bad. And you should feel bad. And then you say, God, I'm sorry, but that's not me. And you pray and get back into perspective. You, you ask forgiveness, you get back on track, you apologize. Yeah, you have to go and reconcile. You got to make things right. You can't tell somebody they're a big idiot dummy and then not say, I'm sorry for that. You've got to do that. You've got to take time to, to make it right. But uh, we want the Spirit to take over to help us mortify the deeds of the flesh. That will keep us on the path that God has laid out for us because ain't nothing to get you off the path quicker than walking and living in the flesh because the flesh and spirit war against one another. Uh, the carnal mind is enmity with God. It can't, it's not going to submit to God. It's not going to do the will of God. We've got to pray this carnality into submission so that we can do. It doesn't make you a mindless robot. I was, had this conversation with somebody. I said, listen, anybody that thinks once you're born again, you're going to always do right just because you're born again, that's nonsense. You have still got to choose to do right. You hear what I'm saying? You have still got, got to make the decision. I'm not going here. I'm not going there. I'm not watching this. I'm not listening to that. I'm not drinking, smoking it. You've got to make the decision. God will not make that decision for you. We already know what his desire is, but it's our decision. And, and so we've got to take a little accountability and some responsibility for our walk with God and say, I'm not going to do this. I am going to live by the word of God. Mm, yeah, the Holy Ghost will not, even the Holy Ghost living in you will not make you live for God. Because you can quench the spirit. The scripture says you can, but it says not to. <laughs> Don't quench the spirit. Because if you quench the spirit, you're going to start acting in the flesh and you're going to start choosing things because the spirit it's willing to do what Jesus asked. But the flesh, it wants to take a nap on Jesus. You know what eventually happens? He'll just go, he'll just look at you and then go pray anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't want to ever be so, so, so spiritually asleep that I can't watch and pray with the Lord, that I can't do what he wants me to do. So this... Uh, uh, this, but this kind of praying where the Spirit takes over, it will not happen when we just rush in and out of prayer. It, it's the type of prayer when we press our way into the presence of God and begin to intercede beyond a human ability alone. There is an ability for a Spirit-filled human to pray words of intercession. I believe that. 
But I believe for ourselves, and, and sometimes even on behalf of others, that we enter into a place where I don't know what to do for them, God, and we, we're so uh, tore up about it that we're praying for them that we just begin to pray in the Spirit. I believe in that intercessory prayer. And let me tell you, you pray like that, you'll, you'll walk the right path. So when the Spirit begins to speak through us with groanings and utterings that we do not understand, this is what is meant by the Spirit itself making intercession for us. It means that we have entered into such a place of prayer that the Holy Ghost is praying on our behalf. When I read this today and was studying this, it reminded me of a time before the Holy Ghost was poured out, but the Holy Ghost in the flesh prayed for somebody. When Peter when the Lord told him, said, Satan has desired to have you, sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Well, there's, there's something, and, and see, that's the way it works with us now. There's something that happens when we pray in the Spirit like that. It's going to keep your faith going. It's going to keep you from quitting. It's going to keep you believing. It's going to keep you serving God. And that's the same. That's why Peter made it to Pentecost. That's why he, he was there to preach that message because uh, the Spirit made flesh interceded. He said, oh, I, I always, I've always read that and thought about that, but never like this until today. How that, I used to read that. I was like, wow, that's something. Well, when Jesus prays for you now, that's got to be something, you know. Uh, how, how could you fail? But, um, but when the, And it's like that when the Spirit that lives in you starts making intercession for you. And it's like, you know, oh, here's this vessel and here's this precious soul and they love the Lord and they, they want to do right and they just, man, they're at a crossroads. They don't know what to do. Whew, I'm about to uh, make intercession for them. And, man, all of a sudden you're making the right decisions. You're, walk, you're still walking. You're still going. You're still hanging in there. You're like, man, I don't know how I got here, but the Holy Ghost knows how you got there because he, he went to bat on your behalf and began to intercede for you and got you there. And so when we get in the personal trial, prayer is a must if we want to we make it. Uh, well, you know, that's, our, that's the number one Christian killer, trials. It's the trial of your faith. Isn't that what the Scripture says? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. So uh, there's something is it's priceless. Uh, it, it, you know, at that time, gold, such a, a priceless, you know, to them, they thought, oh, boy, that's, that's royalty, that's riches, that's treasure. But he said, your trial, that faith, it's more precious than gold. That it just, it'll, it'll go away. But your faith is going to get you somewhere. Your faith is going to help you see him one day. Your faith is going to get you to that place that he's preparing for you. So I, I, I want the trial of my faith. I want to be able to endure the trial of my faith. So, uh, there are times when we do not know how to pray, but God does. He knows the end of our trial from the beginning of our trial. He already knows, so he knows how to pray. When we go to him in prayer, allow the Spirit to intercede on our behalf, God can then bring his purpose to pass in the midst of our trial. Prayer helps us to, remember, along that point, remember what the Scripture says, that God has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. For us, God has his way. When his disciples were uh, in that ship and it was storming, Jesus had his way, peace be still. Listen, God will have his way when we will pray and pray in the Spirit and, and, and let the Spirit intercede on our behalf. God will bring his purpose to pass even in the middle of our trial. Prayer helps us to endure the trials of life while remaining focused on his purpose for our lives. Prayer is not guaranteed to deliver us instantly from our trials. Don't ever pray and think, okay, that's it. I'm fixing to just vanish and be out of the middle of this trial. No, you're not. It's not a get out of jail free or it's not a get out of trial free card. We can, that we can just play it whenever we want to and expect everything to change. However, prayer can give us strength and the focus that we need to endure the trial regardless of how difficult it is or how long it may last. What was Jesus' prayer for Peter? That his faith fell not. And we walk by faith. In other words, we move by faith. We, uh, you know, walking is a way to get from one place to the other. We get to one place and the other by faith. 
We walk for health reasons. You know, he said, I'm, so we walk by faith so we can stay healthy in God. We need our, we don't, if our faith fails, we're going to start getting unhealthy in our walk with God because we can't believe anything. We just believe we're going to die. It's going to be it. Nothing's going to happen. We've got to have faith. So we've got to endure. The scripture says, blessed is the man that endures temptation. Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. One place it says for us to endure hardness as a good soldier. So we pray, he that endures unto the end shall be saved. But you've got to pray if you're going to endure to the end. You pray so you can stay on the path. You pray so you can stay out of the flesh. You pray so you can stay in the Spirit. Because when you walk in the Spirit, it says you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, and again, people think that's dealing with all kind of crazy sins, but sometimes the lust of the flesh is to choke somebody. I mean, really, come on, really. There's some people who say, oh, I don't have no... I ain't tempted by goofy stuff like that and watching goofy things or taking stuff. My temptation is I don't run over people. That I don't actually pull this gun that I got a license to carry. It's, you know, it's, it's like because my, my lust of my flesh is anger issues. It's, it's punching people. It's things like that. So uh, if we walk in the Spirit, then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Peter, oh, you should have prayed, Peter. And you wouldn't even have to take that sword with you. Uh, You'd have never cut that man's ear off. And aren't you glad that the Lord can fix things when we get in the flesh? Uh, We could stay right there for a while, couldn't we? Uh, He just fixed that man's ear. I'd just like to see all the, I'd like to see him just going. And it was on the ground. I know it was. I felt it. It was on the ground. I can't even feel a seam, man. You know, and then everybody else that was around, let me look at your ear, pulling on it. Let's see how good it's on there. You know, but God will fix it where there's no evidence. He can go in town and say, hey, I want you to rest this dude. He cut my ear off. You got another ear I don't know about? You know, I know some people have six fingers and things like that. You got another ear hanging around? You got, probably got eyes in the back of your head too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hey, dude, get him out of here. He been, he's, he's, he's drunk as you suppose. Get him out of here. He, he's talking about his ear cut off. I'm looking at him. He's got two ears. They probably grabbed him by both of them and drug him out. So get out of here. But that's what Jesus will do. I'm thankful that he will. But the best thing to do is not to get yourself in that fix. And if you will pray like you should, you won't enter into temptation. Because no matter how strong we think we are the flesh is weak we need to pray and stay in the spirit that's what we need to do so where i'm at i'm almost done prayer will help us look beyond the trial and find the purpose prayer can help us see with spiritual eyes the natural eyes will see what we are going through and it'll say wow why is this happening to me but when we look through spiritual eyes, we say, hmm, let's see what good's coming my way because all things work together for my good. Let's see what God's up to. A regular season of prayer during tests and trials that come our way will help us not to be so focused on our feelings and emotions. That's, you know, that's what people say, I, I, I'm all up in my feelings. Well, get out of your feelings because uh, if you stay focused on feelings and emotions, uh, that's, that's flesh stuff and it's going to get you in trouble. But during prayer, we can expect God to speak to us and bring clarity about the purpose of a particular trial and how it is serving to fulfill his purpose in our lives. And you need that because every trial is not going to... Sometimes trials, they're like, they're like a little bug bite. They're like, okay, that's all right, I'm, I'm through this. But sometimes you're going to have something very, very serious come your way where it's going to hit you so hard. It's going to hurt your heart, it's going to make you mad, it's going to, you know, it's really going to, and you're going to feel, because you're going to feel helpless about it, you're going to, and you're going to need the Holy Ghost to help you through that. And he will. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to get us to see is that, 
that it's when those trials of your faith, the things that will knock you down and stop you, that's what trials are trying to do, get you off the path. It's trying to stop you from going to heaven. It's trying to stop you from serving God. And so that sometimes things you're like, wow, that was nothing. Well, that's because you're praying, you're doing right. But then sometimes it's going to be like the bomb has hit you. That how, no, I never dreamed this. No way. This is, how could this be happening? How, do, how you know, we've all had stuff like that. And, and the reason you're still in the house of God today is it ain't because you're so big and bad. It's because the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you and prayer through him and, and living in the spirit has kept you. And so, man, if you say, I ain't got nothing to thank God for, thank God you're still here because if it wasn't for him and it wasn't for some prayer, I've been praying for this, I ain't seen nothing happen. Every time you look in the mirror and you know you're still serving God, you see something happening. God has kept you time and time and time again. So prayer, it has a way of lifting our eyes beyond the present distress of a trial. And it helps us to see the future blessing of enduring what we're going through. And again, we can look to Jesus for our example. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Uh, put that up for me, brother. Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, sin, which does so easily beset us and run the, with patience the race that's set before us. But how do we do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, now, just leave that one up there for, for a few minutes. So we see that, uh, I, I mentioned something about this other day. It's not if a trial's coming, it's when it's coming. Right. It's coming. So how do I do uh, what I'm supposed to do? You lay aside every weight. and You lay aside the sin that would so easily beset you. In other words, there are things that are trying to get you off course, right. to stop you from running the race that is set before you. There. That is the job of the enemy and all the stumbling blocks he throws in your ways and all the things that the flesh torments you with. That's its sole purpose is to keep you from going to heaven. It wants to stop you from serving God. It doesn't want you to testify. It don't want you to preach. It don't want you to sing. It don't want you to bring nobody to church. It just wants you to quit. Stop running. Die. Give up. Surrender. And so that's what he was trying to do with to Jesus and all this. Man, one of your closest guys betrayed you. They're mocking you. They're beating you. They're whipping you. It says the way we get through it is we look at him who for the joy, or well, looking at Jesus to often finish for our faith, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the, the right hand of that power that comes from God. And so who for the joy that was set before him? Jesus refused to allow the present trial to sidetrack him from his purpose. He endured the trial of the cross. He despised the shame brought upon him. And he did all that for the joy that was set before him. He knew that the future joy would be greater than the present suffering. It's awful what I'm going through. It was terrible. It wasn't just uh, mentally and emotionally the physical uh, abuse that he suffered, you know, I mean, any of us, you, you, you just, we don't want pain. We do anything we can to avoid pain, especially something that just, something that was just ripping your flesh off. Go through that, somebody putting thorns in your head. He, but he knew something's coming, something better's coming. And I might be suffering now, but he, you know why he's able to endure it? Because he had already prayed and seen the answer. If the only way this is going to pass is for me to drink it, then your will be done. He knew this is the only way that it's going to happen. And so Paul said it like this, Romans 8 and 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The answer to your trial and test is glory. The answer to your sufferings in this present time are glory. That's what's waiting, glory. So prayer will help us remember this and then keep our perspective right. We must not become so caught up in the trial that we forget that there is a purpose for everything God allows to happen to us. If we are going through a trial, we can be assured that it passed through His hands before it ever got to our life. 
He is trusting us to go to him in prayer and allow him to guide us through the valley. Understanding that all things work together for good helps us pray through our trials and gain God's perspective. A right perspective can easily be lost during the trials that come our way, but if we can take a step back and pray, God will allow us to begin to gain his perspective on the trial that we are facing. And without his perspective, our trials can become a distraction. And our personal and spiritual lives can quickly become imbalanced as we try to figure out, why am I going through this? Why am I going through so much? We can become so consumed with trying to find a way out of our present circumstance that we stop praying like we know we should. Our worship gets hollow, and our response to the Word of God can just become nonchalant. We just, whatever, uh, you know, I can handle this. I can do this. No, you can't. Give it to God. Give it to God. A trial can come a distraction. That's why the Lord said, Hey, I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith fell not. I don't want you to get distracted. It's the trial of your faith. Peter walking on the water. He wasn't just out there tap dancing on the water for a show. He saw Jesus on the water. I want to go where Jesus is. And so he said, if that's you, then bid me to come. And he said, well, come on. So Peter steps out and he's walking to Jesus. We are walking to him. That's where we're headed. We're on the straight and narrow. We're headed to him. And if we get the straight, the only time Peter began to sink and was in danger of losing his life was when he got distracted by the wind and the waves and the storm, and, and he began to sink. But the Lord was right there. But that's what happens to us. So pray because the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is absolutely weak. So not praying while going through a trial will affect the person's spirit in a negative way. Without remaining full of the Holy Ghost, we will fall prey to temptation during times of testing. People can backslide if they do not remain focused on the purpose of God for their lives during a trial. You can't forget that God called you. You can't forget that God put his hand upon you. You can't give up. Maybe that's why, you know, David didn't quit, even though it's terrible, him and Bathsheba and then this, the baby dying and had the man killed and, and all these things, but yet he stayed faithful to God. And he prayed and he repented and he cried out and he sought God and God forgave him and he stayed on the path and he stayed king and, he, and Solomon was born. And the Bible says, and God loved Solomon. David was still able to produce something that God loved even after a terrible mistake because the purpose that God had for David was bigger than that mess up. And you can stand with me. David is a good one to look, look to uh, often when thinking about what do I do now that I'm in this mess because David would pray. In Psalm 142, 1 and 2, he said, With my voice I cried unto the Lord, or I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. And then the next verse, brother, he said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. In other words, when I had something that I was going through, something I was complaining about, uh, when I, I, I was showing him my trouble, he said, yeah, I, I talked to God. I cried out to God. Uh, I sought direction for him. God, here's what's happening to me. Here's what I'm going through. And, you know, he said in another place, he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So David's like, look, when, when, I, when I get in trouble, I need God. I don't need my, I don't need all these men that, that counsel other people. I don't need uh, wise men. I, I need God. I need to hear from the Lord. I need to hear from God. And so when we get in a trial, we can't do any different than Jesus did. We've got to pray. When things are hard and awful and heartbreaking and we feel despised and rejected, Jesus prayed. He prayed so he could stay in the will of the Father. If not my will, but your will. This is awful. I don't know how much 
he saw and how much he actually knew when he looked into that, that cup. But he, it, was so, it was enough there for him to say, hey, if it's possible, let this go. But if the only way it's going to pass is for me to drink it, then all right. Because I know if that's the only way it happened, I know you'll be with me. Remember what he told his disciples? He said, the time is now when all men are going to forsake me, but I am not alone because the Father's always with me. He knew that no matter where I go, you guys won't go. They're about to hit the shepherd and the flock's going to be scattered. But the Lord will always be with me. So I can make it. I can do it. Why don't we come find a place for just a minute or two and pray around this altar tonight and just ask the Lord, hey, Maybe you're going through something and you need his perspective. Maybe there's a trial or a test of your faith happening right now. Lord, just give me direction tonight. Lord, give me strength. Lord, hey, pray for me, Lord, that my faith won't fail. Pray for me, Holy Ghost, that my faith fails not. I want to keep going. I want to keep serving you. Praise God. Let's pray.
Thank the Lord. We're going to make it. And we're going to make it through prayer. With the power of the Holy Ghost in our life, we're going to make it. So encourage one another. Pray for one another. Pray in the Spirit. Pray often. The Bible says praying in the Holy Ghost, building ourselves up on our most holy faith. It'll keep your faith going. That's the same prayer that Jesus prayed, that your faith fail not. God bless you. Thank you for being in Wednesday night service. If you need to be dismissed, you can be in Jesus' name. We'll see you Sunday, the Lord willing. God bless you.